So welcome to the SLAS Discovery Podcast, and today's a slightly unusual one. So today we're joined by Tim Spicer. Tim obviously has multiple roles within SLAS, so he's currently the president, also as an associate editor on SLAS Discovery. He's also, though, in his day job, a senior scientific director at Scripps Florida. And really, we just wanted to find out more from you, Tim, about all of your various roles within SLAS and some of your work history. Welcome. Thank you. Pleasure to meet you in person. And you too. This is, yes, actually, this is probably the first one that we've done, I think, actually in real life. So this is fantastic. Yeah, Tim, you've had multiple roles within the SLAS family. Can you tell us something about them? Sure. Uh, you know, it didn't start off being president, so it's a long path to get there to, to a degree. Um, at least for me, probably started out doing the early stuff with session chairs and, and then all of a sudden building sessions and then, of course, then get on the different committees. So there's there's several committees that kind of build you up to being what I would say ready for a board proposal to, you know, basically nominate yourself or nominate someone to be on the board. And so, yeah, doing all those things I thought was exciting and fun and put me in front of people like you, you know, new faces, new people, new connections, um, which has been extremely rewarding. And then the president role is something you build up to over the years. So as a board member, you're on a three-year term. Mm. And there's some that are on the executive committee and some that are support the board role and voting members of the board. And essentially, being the president, you, you start off as secretary and then you move to vice president. And so that's Jan Lichtenberg right now. Jonathan Wingfield is the current secretary. And so those two will build up the president and then so on, and then you move off the board. So as president, lots of things to do, really uh, help to keep things moving in the right direction, help shape and mold some of the science still to a degree, you know, making sure that we're on board with what some of the committees, the subcommittees underneath are doing. Uh, but also, you know, really just directing the ebb and flow of these meetings and trying to make some key decisions, especially during COVID, on how to roll things out and, and keep the momentum as best possible when we weren't together. So, you know, yeah, getting back to, to reality here for the last two big conferences, you know, the international conference, which we had in Boston February, and now this one is just so rewarding. So, yeah, try to be a big part of that, trying to keep the, keep the focus on positive energy, making decisions two or three years out, really, building strategies. That's a lot of what the board role is. And really just making sure you stay tuned into where the directions of the new sciences. Interesting. So, obviously, you're president. What are you hoping to achieve during your tenure? Because you've obviously described the role, but what's the, yeah. how are we going to know the Tim Spicer era? Yeah, so I think it's key, actually, as being a board member. Sammy Delani was a former board member, and he's at Beckman Coulter and now somewhere else. But the short of it is Sammy gave me some advice when I joined on. First time, first board meeting, is like, if I can give you any advice, have something you care deeply about, and try to make that sort of your board mantra, something you pull together. Which leads me to one of my other roles in SLAS, which puts me close with Ali Jump as an associate editor. My probably biggest push, personally, is to try to propel the journals into you know, a bigger, better scenario, uh, more reads, more citations, really just spreading the information you know, from peer-reviewed publications around the world. I thought that would be a really good thing to do. It has been. It's been rewarding in a lot of ways. I like to write and publish. So that's part of the editorial role. The other part is really just reviewing manuscripts and then actually trying to find people that are the right reviewers for manuscripts and doing some special issues too, some special editions, issues, editions, roughly the same. It usually depends on the volume of the papers that we get. 
So that's been cool, right? Because we just did one with Ryder Bio One and Glauco Souza and put out, uh, I think, some really cool manuscripts around 3D biologies and physiologically relevant models of drug discovery. Mm-hmm. So yeah, those are kind of my key things that I do for SLAS. Yeah. It is a, a very demanding role, actually, being on the uh, journal as an associate editor, because these things, I think, People tend to have a perception that journals sort of run themselves, but there's a lot of, I know, there's a lot of legwork that goes on behind it in terms of especially getting reviewers for papers and keeping the, a steady stream of things. So it's thinking about the journal in particular. What are you doing to try and, you were describing about raising the profile of the journal, getting a, a stream of papers, and what are you doing to change the direction there? Yeah, it's a great question. I think our biggest challenge is trying to find new ways to promote publications besides sending out just a, a random email and saying, hey, would you, you know, would you like to write a paper? It really is finding collaborators, quite frankly, through my business, my normal day job, and saying, this is an early drug discovery manuscript idea in the making. You know, would you like to write for this? Or would you like me to help do some of the heavy lifting? which then benefits me, right, because I'm on the paper too. But it's also, you know, so there's there's some connectivity there that I'm doing very much for both jobs. <laughs> but the short of it is that that's worked quite well. It's really just tuning people into the fact that it is the right journal for early drug discovery publications, especially around automation and technologies, and getting great science into those manuscripts. And, you know, there's a lot of great examples around the COVID special editions and things like that where... It was fast and furious, and people were publishing in BioArchive literally daily. You had to stay reading on those things and want to stay current. So we look into BioArchive and say, hey, if you haven't gotten it published into a journal, would you like to publish in this? Yes. Discovery or technologies. I work with a lot of engineers, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, co-direct the screening center with Louis Campania, who heads up our engineering side of our discovery and screening. And Lewis, uh, Lewis and I synergize on almost everything. But his engineers also like to write, so we, we publish a lot in technology too, right? Because that's where we build the Internet of Things, we build these new models around robotic platforms and what we can do to integrate 3D biologies into an ultra-high throughput system. So it's been a lot of fun doing that. Yeah, so I guess it's just kind of like SLAS in general. You know, it's word of mouth to a large degree. And then we do some, some real pushes around special editions and, and things like that where it would be you that I'll reach out to and say, Rob, you're the world's expert in putting together centers for COVID research. Would you like to publish on that? I can feel that request coming through very soon. <laughs> <laughs> and we're obviously talking at the SLAS Europe conference here in Dublin. First time we've been together for a few years in person, which is great. But obviously we've all been through a fairly challenging time during the pandemic since obviously COVID really came on the scene in 2020. Can you tell me about some of the research you've been doing to identify inhibitors of the virus? Yeah, I'd love to, actually. So I felt pretty motivated, right? So when we shut down in March of 2020, basically, somewhere in that realm, mid-March or so, the only way we could stay in the lab was if we were doing COVID research. Fortunately, we worked very closely with a gentleman named Mike Farzan, who's our chair of immunology and infectious diseases. By the way, he's also the guy that identified the ACE2 receptor being the binding partner for the virus to get into cells. So that helped. And his postdocs were quite amazing, right? They actually had three biological HTS ready or pretty much ready assays, ready to go, like within within two weeks. And so these very robust cell-based assays where we looked at really three targets. We looked at SARS entry, 
We looked at Pape Light Protease, PL mm -hmm. Pro, which is less targeted, uh, but still critical for, for viral replication. And then we looked at the main protease, which a lot of the drugs that are coming out now from large pharma are tar targeting the main protease, or M-Pro, they like to call it. So we ran those three screens literally within a few weeks, probably by mid-April, I think we were done with all three. Really doing what everybody else was doing in a big way, trying to drug repurpose. So Caliber, which is California Institute of Biomolecular Research, they have a what they call a reframe library, which was funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, uh, or at least a large part, and Muji as well. It's literally about 13,500 drugs that are used in the clinics, or they're pre they're basically about ready to go. So there's things that, you know, if we could repurpose in a hurry, that would be very useful. So we screened those very rapidly in triplicate, and then did the rescreen and confirmation counter screens and all the good stuff that goes into the nuts and bolts of doing good early HTS drug discovery. And we found some really cool hits around the entry target, okay? We published on that one, actually, uh, last last year. Some good probes in there, you know. Basically, uh, one of the lead molecules, I guess it's a drug called calpeptin, it appears to be hitting the cathepsin pathway, which is also required for for entry, but not totally critical because they have tempers 2 pathway as well. So endosomal you know, proteins that are required from the host cell. I'll get through the, the deep weeds here pretty quickly. Cool thing about calpeptin is absolutely doing something against entry, and it's very potent, and it's very potent against the live virus itself. Low animal or range potency. It also has some effect on the main pro tip or M pro, and there's this group uh, that published in Cell, literally a few months in advance, that basically docked calpeptin into M pro. At least that's my recollection of it, and it looks like it has an effect there too. So sort of two modes of action from one drug that's already out there. So published on that, we do have some grants that are in play trying to push that further along with some of the investigators, Farzan and Susanna Valente, another viral researcher at, at Scripps, you know, Scripps now. Uh, so yeah, that's that's what I've been doing. I've, I published on the PL Pro as well, uh, the outcomes there. Didn't find anything very good, actually, there. So, you know, best hits were mm -hmm. sort of low micromolar potency, and then we put chemistry on it too right away. So pretty much all of Scripps' action to go at this stuff. And the chemist beat it down for a while, and we just couldn't come up with much better for PL Pro. So to me, unmet needs, entry for sure, PL Pro for sure, mm -hmm. Helicase, Viral Helicase, who worked with viral, uh, the SARS Viral Helicase too. And yeah, we now just got funded for the uh, AVID Center grant. Are you familiar with this one? So, mm, tell us a bit more. Yeah, it's cool. So the NIH put out a large center's grant. It's called a U-Grant, okay? which was really looking for consortiums of different institutes to pool their best talents together. So we're fortunate through some of this research and actually looking at a gain-of-function assay from the main protease and SARS uh, with Ruben Harris. And Ruben's a Howard Hughes-funded professor at University of Minnesota. We're the HTS chemistry and even there's five project centers as well for part of that grant. So he's the PD and then we have uh, multiple factions off of that all around the country. So we have people in Baylor, in Texas. We have us, obviously, in Florida. I think there's people in Berkeley, uh, out, out in California, Minnesota. There's even an investigator, I think, in China that's part of that. And then, of course, you know, the idea is to translate, you know, medicines to man that will help with future pandemics. It's the next pathogen that we have to deal with. So pretty, pretty big deal. That's what I've been doing. Oh, that's really exciting. Yeah, it sounds like you've been doing you've been doing a lot of really interesting work during the the pandemic. I and mean, do you think 
everything that we've learned through the COVID-19 pandemic is going to change how we do drug discovery in the future. Yeah, I do. I think you were sitting through it too. You know, Steve Rees opening keynote this morning is, you know, kind of put the spotlight on how fast mobilize things to really address this pandemic in, in months, you know, with RNA-based targeted therapies, which had never been a man before, right? I made that quite clear. And I'm sitting there going, wow, you know, these technologies and things we're seeing today, you know, here in Ireland, they'll be applied to future tasks down the road, whether it's to keep ourselves safe and away from the viruses when we're trying to screen them, or you know, speeding things up and, and reducing the waste stream, reducing the, the cost to do so. So I think there's a, there's a lot that we as a society, SLAS, will contribute to that, no doubt. And, and I'm going to guess the public will be uh, anxious to see what we plan for because I kind of felt like we got caught with our pants down on this one a little bit, right? Even though the reaction was super fast, light years fast, in my opinion, better than it would have been 20 years ago, as Steve pointed out quite rightly. So, yeah, I'm looking for the wave of expectation to be met with some of the automation and other yeah. cool tools and great science that we all pull into this stuff. Yeah, that's kind of it. No, that's really interesting. I think there are a lot of things that we've learned, whether it's the way, even just the way we work within projects, but actually that that expectation, you're right, the expectation from the public is a lot higher now. They expect, you're right, that the science is going to be there to deliver. I think the mRNA vaccines is a really great example of something that was still in the research area, but actually with the right use case, it's the right thing. And I thought Steve gave a really good overview of the technologies they use within AstraZeneca, you know, a whole range of different modalities. Actually having that almost toolbox of them is really useful because then whatever the case is, there may well be something there that's suitable for us to, to use. Yeah, I, I, the thing I appreciated that I didn't hear before from Steve, and the same thing happened in the U.S., literally the government called facilities, factories, and said, we need masks, right? Mm. So I know of, of basically companies that suit manufacturers were called up and, and, you know, please make us, you know, five million masks within a month. And, yeah. you know, this is kind of like a war machine also. And I, I saw that same attitude today in Steve's talk, how you all reacted to what the government was saying. We, we've got to action people to do this, give them the, the ability to do it and do it their way, right? Which is super effective. Yeah. Which I think you're a big part of it too. No, it's true. That was my previous two years. <laughs> Thank you for highlighting. Yes, no, it's very true. And I, I think the, the key lesson for me is we need to be ready for the next challenge, whatever that is. And we can't, it's not going to be a PCR system, probably, but it's the answer. It could well be something different. Great. Thank you, Tim. That's been really fascinating to find out a bit more about everything you do, not just your roles within SLAS, but also your research and your incredibly prolific publication record. So thank you for joining us. Thank you. We'll keep trying. Hope you do too. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. <laughs> <laughs>